It's time for the Sauce Straight Talk Show. Welcome. I'm me. I'm Sauce. How we doing? We're going to talk today about game four of the Western Conference Finals. Damn, that was a good game. That was a hell of a game. Had me on the edge of my seat. You know, Steph Curry looked like he was ready to do it again. But defense said, hold up. Stop. Wait a minute. It was just a good game. You know, Kevin Durant, 28 points, 27 points, 12 boards. Uh, Steph Curry had 28 points to assist. He's getting a little better there after having eight. Um, then you got Chris Paul, 27 points. James Harden, 30 points. Big time, 14 points by Eric Gordon because 10 points. Clay Thompson had a little injury scare, but you know that's 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 what we're going to get into. Also, we're going to get into is Boxing Wednesday. It is Boxing Wednesday, so we're going to talk about what's going on hot in boxing. Boxing is one of my favorite sports. We're going to get into that. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, what's going on, you know, with the fights coming up. June 9th looks like a, a hot date for a lot of fights. Tyson Fury coming back. We got Terrence Crawford, Jeff Horn. We got Abner Mares, uh fighting uh, uh, Leo Santa Cruz. Um, we got the Charlo brothers, you know, saying which one of them is the Jamal, uh, Jamel Charlo going to be fighting Austin Trout. I mean, fights are going to be coming up. It's going to be big for the summer. And also, I would like to talk about Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua because I saw Anthony Joshua at the Golden State Warrior-Houston Rocket game. Could that mean that he's in the U.S. trying to show his face, trying to get some marketability there, trying to see if we want to get a deal done? Maybe we might see a confirmed official something here later in the next week or so. We need that fight to happen. Um, then we're going to have a little entertainment talk, um, but this should be a good show. Stay tuned. Saw straight talk time, baby. Let's go. You know, the Houston Rockets, I commend them because they can look at that crowd and go to the state and say, are you entertained? Are you not entertained? Reason why I'm saying that is because the Oracle had a 16-game win streak with their team planning. That streak is snapped thanks to perseverance, not not wanting to concede victory because that's what Golden State tries to pull out of you when you come in that arena. You come in that arena... You miss a routine shot that usually a team gets to rebound, come down, have a slow pace type offense, and you know you're like, okay, plays a good defense, but Golden State is the type. You miss a shot, it's like a turnover. It's like, oh my god, we missed. We got to get back and come down here to three, or then you then you really turn the ball over. They come down here, no. So it's like when you conquer them at Oracle, that stung. That team. So, for the whole NBA sports world, I hope y'all were entertained by that game because that was a statement game. That was something that they needed. A team that won 65 games is an underdog against the defending champs who did not win 65 games. Beat them on their home floor, and they did it after another third quarter barrage from Steph Curry. 11-0 run. 
He went on an 11-0 run before Clay Thompson's three. That man has when he when he just I don't know what it is when he just feel it, man. It's 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 on and popping, man. It, it is just something where his dad kick. It's like it's like that son father son Kamehameha. It's like he he sitting there, he tried, and that third quarter come, it's like, ha! It's like, boom, it's like him and Dale just shooting the ball at the same time, and it's just going in. It was scary. I said, well, here it go again. But whenever you having good nights from Harden and Chris Paul, and then you got defense behind it, good job team, that would make that barrage slow down, and you don't waver, and then just realize that, well, we're not down 30 yet. We're not down 20 yet. So let's chill out and we'll see if we can still stay in this game. And that's what the Houston Rockets did. From the opening tip, when they were down 12 to nothing, I said, oh, my God. But Mike D'Antoni called a smart timeout and got them together. And next thing you know, they got everything got back right. The game turned back into a game. You know, keep it. But then if you're going to be down, yeah, be down five, six points. But, you know, you can still climb back up. The run that the Houston Rockets made before half was so crucial because you at least had them down 10. That's was that was because coming out in the third quarter, you know, they could go crazy. Hell, if they were up 10 or eight, five, whatever knowing that they can put you in deeper waters. But to have a 10-point lead on the Warriors, that was big because they couldn't go crazy, crazy because they knew they had to come back first. When you're coming back, you tie it up, or even when you take the lead, they went up 10. So it's like, okay, 10 is manageable. 10 is better than 20. 10 is better than 25. Good job for having a 10-point lead by the Houston Rockets. Now, the re- reason why I'm leaning towards the Houston Rockets is that's my prediction. I picked Rockets in six. I picked Boston in seven. I like I would like for those predictions to pan out. Be do It'd be real good for me in my show. But uh, I don't see Stephen A. getting a whole lot of predictions right. That I, I think Stephen A. is great. I'm, I'm just joking. Him and Max. Him and Max. And then over at Fox Sports, I like to give, you know, those my inspiration. You know, saying Skip, uh, Stephen A., Max. You know, Shannon is learning. Um, then, you know, you got Colin Cowherd, you know what I'm saying? So it's 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 a, it's a dream of me to sit there and want to do this. And that's why I'm, I'm thankful that Anchor made this platform for, for a kid in West Virginia who don't got all the bells and whistles that they have to do this. But, uh, I mean, James Harden, I'm going to, you know, saying that that guy – that guy, like when you when he's looking at another veteran, like he's looking at Chris Paul and Chris Paul's family having one of his games and trying to play, it makes him more comfortable and play the game to play. That dunk that he did on Draymond Green should shut Draymond Green up for a whole season. For a whole, he can't talk even about Dennis Smith when he was about to poke on, even though Dennis Smith ended up doing it. But Draymond Green, shut up, because now you got posterized. All through this season, because I've seen it. And then you got posterized in the Western Conference Finals by a guy who actually may be, you know, MVP of the league. So, hush your mouth. Man, that was a dunk. I lost my mind on that dunk. That dunk was that dunk was what you call, like, Kobe on Steve Nash or, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, LeBron on Tim Duncan. 
you know, LeBron or Kevin Garnett in the playoffs. You know, they, these are all dunks I'm talking about in the playoffs. You know, Jordan on Ewing. You know what I'm saying? Playoffs. Pippin on Ewing. Playoffs. That's what I'm talking about. That's basketball. I love it. That, 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 even, that made that crowd get so quiet and I heard a baby sit there and say, I'm thirsty. Woo! That was a dunk. And Golden State still was like, hey, it's okay. It's all right. And and, and it was right around in that time in the third quarter. Uh, after after all that went down and it's halftime and the third quarter you come out, you're like, okay, keep the same momentum going. But the Golden State Warriors, they're something else. And that's what I posted on Facebook. You can go check my Facebook out, Justin Austin. Check my Instagram out, too, Soft Straight Talk. Snapchat. Uh, brother Stark, brother underscore Stark 24. Check my Snapchat out as well. But anyways, you got a team that can just turn, just flip a switch and just, oh my God, I've never seen nothing like it. And just how they just, the three point shooting I'm talking about, man, just the, just the three point shooting of just, uh, just, you know, just pulling it on people just don't even care. It was one possession. P.J. Tucker played the best defense he possibly could on Kevin Durant. Now, I think his foot was on the line. But Kevin Durant just, he, he took one of those, like, didn't even jump. Heck, he was locked up. But but P.J. couldn't block his shot, so he just shot it, and it went in. You know, Clay Thompson comes around a curl. You're thinking, like, oh, my God. He just, you know, he shoots it and just nothing but net. I mean, just like, you just think, like, oh, he rushed that. No, man. Steph Curry, top of the key. It makes you demoralized in your, it just, it demoralizes you, but it didn't demoralize the Rockets in that spurt. And it was a good, good job they was handled that. And the fourth quarter was so entertaining because it was 90s style basketball to me. I thought it went back to the 90s. You're talking about people getting, you know, getting a little physical, um, trying, you know, saying to, to put the dagger in people, you know, that's what you appreciate when somebody's in there just trying to put a dagger in you. That's what I saw. That's what I appreciated. And then you see, you know, people like uh, Steve Kerrison are going like, man, you know, what is, you know, Mike D'Antoni with the face of worry and confidence. I mean, those are in the trenches. That's what you want to see, man. Fiery attitudes. You know, you want to see that. Chris Paul playing like an animal. Foot hurt. His foot is a little tender. You know, we got Clay Thompson knee a little tender. You know what I'm saying? Those are the those are things. Like, it's okay to say if Steph Curry's knee is a little tender. It's okay to say if it's – but don't say that. He's just – he's hurt. He can't – that's the thing I can't stand because you look at that man out there. He's not playing hurt to me. Everybody has aches and bruises and, and sores. And, and effects from past injuries. Who knows? Clay Thompson's thumb may be a little sore, but he's hitting threes. That's all I'm saying. When people want to make excuses for Steph Curry, I cannot stand it because you wouldn't make it for LeBron James or James Harden, Chris Paul. His foot just now being mentioned. We've been talking about Steph Curry's knee, and he he didn't even play the first series. He didn't play the first game of the second series. We still talking about his knee, but we have not even mentioned that Chris Paul been playing on a on bad wheels. As well. You don't know if James Harden is hurt. He got hurt in the second round against Utah. 
That's all I'm saying, man. We can't make excuses for certain people. And he's out there playing his heart out. So he even said he's 100%. So, hey, let the man be 100%, Steph Curry. But great game, great series, great playoffs. It's been a great, great playoffs. Never mind the blowouts. Like I said, basketball's changed what it is. You can't help that. But what you, you know what I'm saying, what you can do is just appreciate that we can turn on our TVs or go into an arena and know that we're getting 120% effort out of these men because they know what the ultimate goal is. Yeah, they make their money. But these these teams in this playoffs that are playing out every second, diving for the ball, you know, Clay Thompson at the end of the game knew, I got to get this shot, you know, no, no nonchalance about it. And just like Chris Paul, when after the, the review and stuff, man, you got you to make the free throws. And he missed the first one, but he knew, I got to make this second. Man, I got to make this second. He got to. Good thing if Draymond Green missed that one free throw. That was a damn good thing he missed that. Because, you know, Steph Curry missing that layup, that was unlike. I didn't think he would miss that layup. He missed that layup. I said, oh, my God. Made me sit there and go, oh, he's hurt again. You know, in a joking way. But it's just like, man, he, he missed that layup. A good offensive board by Draymond. But you got to make both of them. Both of them needed. Both of them were needed. Trevor Reza, Eric Gordon. Trevor Reza with a big three in the corner. And Eric Gordon with a big three at the top of the key. I mean, those were big shots. And good plays by Chris Paul on the bounce pass, man. Jesus Christ, man. I mean, he just looks for you. P.J. Tucker had 13 rebounds. Clint Capella had, no, 14. I think Clint Capella had, no, he had 13. And Clint Capella at 11. And that's, and you know, here's another thing about Clint Capella. Like, this man was shooting like 50, 60%. He was shooting 60% from the field. Draymond Green has got him shooting like 30, like 40, like 41, 42% from the field. He's not being the same Clint Capella, but he is getting the rebounds. He got the rebounds this game. He played some good defense. They had the block advantage. But P.J. Tucker, man, he that's a stout guy. That's a, that's, a, that's a guy that you're just not going to just move out the way, and he can move people. He's Derek Draymond, like, to that to that notion. Like, I'm undersized, but I'm not no pushover. So me calling Clint Capella that comparison to Draymond, I'm not saying a comparison, just something, something that's a ranking on the team. Because, like I said, you got your Steph, then you got you got uh, Chris Paul, you got Durant, you got Hart. So you got Clay, you got Eric Gordon. You got... Capella, then he's like, drink green. I think P.J. Tucker should be right there in that to where it's like somewhat of saying that's what the Houston Rockets are trying to bring at them at, at their highest level, even though they're not better than those players, none of them. They're, they're, you can see the team effort in trying to combat them. It's 2-2, baby. So, you know, this is serious. And we're going back to Houston. I cannot wait to that game. Like, I cannot wait for this game tonight. So, here's my thing for game five. Going into Houston, you cannot stop now, but the big thing is keep the others going. Keep Eric Gordon going. Make sure P.J. Tucker's going. But try to at least get the energy from the crowd going. You don't understand how much energy you get from Clint Capella and those alley-oops and trying to get him going, man. Because, hell, look at Tristan Thompson in the Cavs, especially in the finals when they came back 3-1. A lot of the momentum, I would give credit to Tristan Thompson on ability to rebound hard, play good defense, but finish at the rim. 
make the crowd get into it. Alley-oops. Those was crucial. Kyrie had 41 points that game. And I'm talking about game five. <laughs> 41 points. Game six, LeBron James. 40 points. Game seven. You know the rest. So, Tristan Thompson was a reason for, I think, that spark. So, Clint Capella could be the reason for another big spark in Houston and can give Harden 40, uh, Chris Paul 30, Eric Gordon 19-20. That's what you need. And I'm convinced, too, that Joe Johnson's not going to get any time. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm tired of mentioning his name. That was the last time. But, you know, that's that's just, you know, that's what is the key to for them to win. Now, for the Warriors, you got to have – the 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 you got to have the type of swagger and the type of mindset that you do when you walk in Oracle, because if you're going to beat this team in Houston and it's two two, you got to you got to take their, you know you got to you got to get you got to check their manhood, man. You got to sit there and punk them out. You got to come in there like you walk in the Oracle, you know. Instead of waiting to the third quarter, you got to do it in the first quarter. Instead of waiting for the Fourth quarter, because, you know, the fourth quarter, he missed 11 straight shots. You know, he shot 39% in the fourth. Or, you know what I'm saying? So it just, you got to have a, a way better um, reaction to the defense that Houston is bringing, because they're bringing it. And there's no sugarcoating about it. They're bringing hot fire defense right on the ass of the Golden State Warriors. And it's hot. So. That's the game five game plan for for Golden State. They got to come out and they got to have a, a fearless mindset and saying like, hey, we're the defending champions. We don't need a home court. We just need to get on the court. Houston, they need to say, hey, others, let's play. Hugh Harden, Chris Paul, lead the way. So use game four's game plan and game five at home. That's like, that's like on steroids. Everybody has to play because when everybody plays, that's when that's 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 how it happens. So that's my take of last night and moving on to game five. Tonight, I won't be talking about that coming up. And I'm back. And I'm going to be talking about quickly, briefly, um, a rundown tonight's game five of Boston versus Cleveland. And it's back in Boston. Boston, back in 2008, round one, played the Atlanta Hawks. They played first two games at home. Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Rondo. It, you know, that wasn't going to be a series. Atlanta Hawks was happy to make the playoffs. I remember they. Got a surge late at the end. Made it. It was a good thing. I mean, it was like, wow, Atlanta made it. They lost the first two games. People was like, sweep. And then all of a sudden, Boston loses the next two games at Atlanta. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up because that's what's happening in this series. is just a flip side of that. The Boston team, the young team, has home court advantage. And that's who is going to win this series because they're going to be at home on Game 7. Like the veteran team of that Boston team that had Ray Allen, Garnett, Paul Pierce, 
they had Game 7 at Boston against the young team, and they were able to win. If LeBron James would have cared enough, he could have had that home court advantage and maybe would have kept that team together. I'm not blaming it just on him. I'm just saying something went on where those trades happened. I think just me. The success they're having now, they're getting it from LeBron James and Kevin Love and Jared Smith and Cal Corbett, who was already on the team. You're not getting them from Clarkson, Harley. You're not getting nothing from Rodney Hood, Harley. You got something from George Hill at Cleveland, Larry Nance, something, you know, better in the regular season than what he has done in the playoffs. But who to say that, you know, if you'd at least, if if you'd have let Dwayne Wade go back but just kept Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose, Who's to say that they would have been playing way better than what Clarkson Hood and George Hill has been playing? Just saying. I'm just saying. But anyways, LeBron James is going to have to really bring it in Boston. Different than what he did in game two in Boston and game one, but that was crazy. But game two, when you're up 20 and you let that lead go and then you let them come back and beat you, you cannot allow that to happen again if you have that such advantage, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Boston. They can't worry about the two games they lost at on the road because they know they're not good on the road and they know that they're good at home and they know that they got home court advantage, meaning they got game seven at Boston. So take advantage of this home game. Play hard. Win this game. Cleveland, you're going to have to play hard, but you're going to have to defend all four quarters because this team is at home and they're hungry and they want to win this series because they know they got game seven at home. LeBron James, you're going to have to score... 40 again, 40 or 50. You can't do no less than that to beat this team. So especially at home, you might have to score 60, like I said, in game two when you had to, but you only scored, what, 44? This is going to be a hell of a game. I can't wait for tonight. Who do y'all got? Leave me a message. Tell me what you think. I want feedback. Please give me feedback. I want predictions. I want, you know, who's going to get player of the game? Give me something. This is going to be a good one. Let's check it out later on tonight. Next up, it's time for Boxing Wednesday. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? It is Wednesday, my dudes. It's Boxing Wednesday with your host, Sauce. Now, I'm going to talk about the paper, the pay-per-view that was in Canada, but the Showtime event that went on, um, it was a doubleheader. Um, Gary Russell Jr. fought Jojo Diaz, Joseph Jojo Diaz, undefeated, by the way, no longer undefeated. But and also in the main event, Badu Jack challenged Adonis Stevenson to his light heavyweight title. Um, Gary Russell, he defended his 130-pound title against Jojo Diaz. Gary Russell Jr. has been in the boxing game for a long time. He's in his 30s. He's getting up there. Somebody is not a very active fighter, so not, <clears throat> not a lot of people have heard about him. Um... Very fast hand, uh, individual, uh, uses combinations very well. 
um, has a hint of a little bit of power, not so much, but can take, you know, saying uh, body shots. And that was something that Jojo Diaz wanted to do. Um, but great core strength and great, you know, midsection by Gary Russell Jr. Um, the only limitation he has is his hands. And even in the Jojo Diaz fight, he, you know, saying was, it seemed like he was having some hand issues. He's been having that in his career. And maybe that's the reason why he's been only, you know, been reduced to fighting one time per year. And his, you know, his main status is like always, you know, big check, then I get in the ring. He went against Vasily Lomachenko a few years back, and that took his first uh, loss. And um, a lot of people figured, you know, Gary Russell may fade, but he's trying not to. And he's trying to stay involved in the the main, I guess you can say, the VIP room of the division so he can unify at 130 pounds. Um, you know, Vasily Lomachenko has moved up to 135 pounds and has won – um, all of his fights in that in that division, um, uh, notably uh, a big one against Jorge Linares two weeks ago. Showtime with their you know broadcast you know their events that they do um, has been great. I have no complaints. They have put on good shows, even with Adrian Broner, when you don't think he cannot live up to you know saying the the headliner. Because sometimes he might not let his hands go, but he did against um, Jesse Vargas, and that's that's commending, you know, saying right there. Um, so you know, Showtime is doing a good thing. Stephen Espinoza, the the guy who runs Showtime Sports, Showtime Boxing, Showbox, um, you know, they do a great job. And um, just unfortunate that um, that the main event with Battle Jack and uh, Donna Stevenson in in a draw. And, uh, you know, draws are never fun. It's like a, a tie in football. You know, you don't, you don't get, you don't get no thrill on a no decision. Um, basketball, you know, that's a sport that, that pretty much you want to see a winner in that unless a postponement. Um, you know, baseball the same, even though it may be postponed, it might go into the next day. But anyway, you're going to see a winner. Sometimes ties and draws are just so diabolical. You just don't even want to talk about the fight. But anyway, Jack and Stevenson was a entertaining fight. Battle Jack um, really should have stepped on the gas early on. Maybe could have uh, swayed the judges to maybe maybe got him to win. Because when you see a draw and you look at both fighters and you look at Donna Stevenson being a power puncher throwing one shot at a time, it just seemed like Battle Jack was maybe just waiting to see if Donna Stevenson was going to tie out. Um, Donna Stevenson is 40 years old. And, you know, it's not a bad strategy, but, you know, he was in good shape. And, you know, Donna Stevenson is, you know, a tough, rugged guy that's not going to just, you know, hand over his belts because he likes to say, you know, I'm the champ. And he like, he, he's very proud of that. So, you know, he, he always kind of remind me the way he talks of uh, that one guy. Hold on. And that's, you know, I wish he threw punches like that, you know, wild, crazy. But he just, you know, he, he can get wild a little bit. But, you know, as far as combinations, but that, that, that left hand, it makes that men tingle. <laughs> but uh, good fight that was, um, you know, it was, it was a draw. And, you know, you can't really, you, you can you can say uh, Stevenson won or Jack won, but a rematch should make a winner. Um, uh, Bottle Jack, this is, though, his 
second draw in uh, three fights, um, not back to back, but he did have his first fight at a uh, light heavyweight to you know get a get to get the test out there, and he got that victory. But the fight before that, he fought James DeGale at super middleweight, and like I said, didn't go his way. Got a draw. James DeGale wasn't happy. I felt better. Jack won that fight. That's Neil Hero there. But let's talk about the numbers that they made as far as viewers. And um, that weekend, uh, last weekend, Jack and Stevenson did 611,000 views. They peaked at that um, as the doubleheader. Uh, Russell and Diaz did, on average, 487,000 viewers. And on average, Jack and Stevenson did 535,000. Um, in Canada, this fight was in a pay-per-view. Um, so don't really know the numbers on that. But just knowing the Showtime numbers, it's not great. But it's something that was steady, and it's something that's been, you know, boxing has been going on for about four weeks straight, and ESPN, HBO has been broadcasting. And then we've also had a UFC event as well. So, I mean, you know, it's not to say people are getting burnt out of fights. It's just the the names of the fights. And sometimes, you know, 600,000 viewers is not bad, but it's not what Wilder or Broner or what a Mikey Garcia could bring, or Charlos even, um, to Showtime. Jared Hurd, I give him big respect. Um, but, you know, it was just, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a grand, you know, saying type event. It's just some, you see some fighters that's got names in, in belts. And I think Adonis Stevenson and Gary Russell Jr. have good names with belts that you can put on TV. Um, you know, Broner and Vargas, um, they did a 891,000 views. But, you know, Adrian Broner had to bring Takashi 6'9 into the picture. And, you know, he's flamboyant and he's, you know, he, he's, 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 you know, got a lot of antics to try to make people watch an event. And, you know, Showtime loves him for that. And that's why he gets headliners over Charlo and Tank Davis, who was on the same card, who averaged around 545,000 uh, viewers. Charlo, Tank, around 460. Um, Tank Davis, um, you know, now I mentioned him, you know, somebody that, has been in the news here lately in the boxing news. He's just, you know, he's under the uh, curtain of the money team. And, you know, he, he said his unhappy thoughts and, you know, complaints on Twitter or in interviews and things of that nature. And my thing is be grateful at the end of the day that you are a title holder and that you are in position to be great. You're 23, 24 years old. And, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do right now other than fighting big guys. You know, um, yeah, I'm talking about like Lomachenko. And last year you had a chance to step up and call out his name, but you kind of went behind that. So, hey, that's that was your decision. But moving on to, uh, you know, I mentioned the Charlos, you know, Jamal Charlo fought in that in that fight card with Broner Vargas and Tank. Now his brother, Jamel Charlo, is going to be fighting June 9th against Austin Trout. Austin Trout, um, just trying to get back on the swing of things. You know, I, I you know, it just, it's just sad every time I watch Austin Trout. Ever since he's, you know, his name got out there and he's fight, I'm talking about big names and he just didn't really, really look impressive. I mean, he fought Canelo, he's fight. Um, Jared Hurd, he's fought, um, Charlo, he's fought, you know, he just has not looked the part. And I don't get 
what it is with that fighter that looks so game, so styled, sound, technical, and you know, he's a he's a he's a he's a excellent, you know, got a good jab, good boxer, good footwork and everything. Just just can't get a victory. And now he's trying to fight the other Charlo and I just don't it just it's just not gonna bowl well for him. And um he's this is a gatekeeper fight that I am scared for because if you lose this one in a way I'm thinking you're gonna lose it, I just really want to say retire. You know, but hey, it's your life, it's your your world squirrel. You trying to get it with W. And, you know, I wish you the best, but I really don't think you're gonna beat Jamel Trollo. He is on a mission and you know it's going to be a sad. It's going to be a sad time for that. And and I'm going to pray for him. But also, you know, we got um, Terrence Crawford um, versus uh, Jeff Horn. Um, you know, Jeff, Jeff Horn is, uh, he has been in the, well, how can I say this? He has been, a fighter that people want to give credit to, but really don't want to give credit to him. You get what I'm saying? Like people don't want to give him credit for beating Manny Pacquiao because a lot of people feel he didn't win. But with him fighting Terrence Crawford, him already being a welterweight, it kind of gives, you know what I'm saying, a little hope for that guy. My name is Jeff. <laughs> Horn. And um, it, 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 it gives him that chance. It, it gives him a chance to win because he fights physical. He can get you up against the ropes. He can make judges feel like he's in control of, of the match physically. He's a bigger guy than Terrence Crawford. So, I mean, you know, it could be a difficult trap fight for Terrence. But this could be Terrence's chance to be a three-time division champ. And he's already unified at 140. To me, he's a favorite in this fight. I think his combinations, I think his smartness and his rugged bully style fighting, I think would win over Horn because I'll be truthfully honest, uh, Manny Pacquiao, I think around the sixth round kind of figured out I could beat this guy, but maybe age couldn't let him do what he really wanted to do. But in that, I think it was the ninth round, it was the ninth or tenth round, he really almost put him out and was going after him. And I don't, I'm surprised the ref didn't stop the fight, but he didn't, but you know, that is what it is. But, uh, Manny Pacquiao is going to be fighting Lucas Matisse. He's got to worry about that. Uh, I believe that's June also, and it may be June 9th, but you know, Pacquiao got a strong right hand. He can knock out Matisse. <laughs> Guarantee or a left. But back to Terrence Crawford and Jeff Horn. Terrence Crawford definitely have to use that southpaw stance as his advantage. Watch the Manny Pacquiao film. They fight different, but they both southpaw. Um, but Terrence Crawford is going to have to really dig in the jab to the body. Going to have to make him back up. Can't make him just come forward with confidence. If he's going to come forward, at least let him come forward knowing that something's going to stick him. Um, you know, come off the jab with a, uh, you know, with a left hook or, you know, go, you know, you have to go to the body. It's, it's a lot of things you got to do to make sure that Jeff Horn is not going to try to dictate, you know, to dictate the fight on him trying to body him. He bodied Manny Pacquiao. You know, he headbutted him. He made the fight dirty. It was kind of Salito, 
Lomachenko, except Salido kind of really outright won that fight more so than what Jeff Horn did. And he didn't, you know, he didn't, he wasn't dirty, dirty to Loma. You know, uh, Jeff Horn was, you know, in Australia, um, things were going his way. And, you know, if he was in Vegas, I think the referee would have kind of tended to been like, okay, you know, but they took a point away from him. They did take a point, but it just, you know, it just wasn't enough. But, um, I don't know what's going to happen in that fight, but I do know that Terrence Crawford will have the best chance to win, but will it be a knockout? Will it be a decision? Will it be split decision? You know, I I don't want to see a split decision. Thank God this fight is not in uh, Australia, but uh, it should be a good fight. Also, we got Leo Santa Cruz versus Abner Morris rematch. They fought some time ago. Um, Promotions, you know, uh, drug their feet. Leo Santa Cruz has fought, you know, Carl Frampton twice. Uh, he's fought somebody, you know, saying that, that, that really took him to the, to the brink of, you know, to, he took him to the limit and he lost that fight. Rematch came out, looked real good and got Carl Frampton out of there and not in a knockout. I'm not saying in a knockout, but figuring him out, knowing what style to use and being consistent with it round in and round out. That's something Andre Ward did to Kovalev. After that first fight, body shots, not low blows. But I think Abner Morris in this second go around is going to be very hungry. Very, 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 very hungry to try to win this fight because he knows that Leo has a chink in armor with the, the, the loss to Carl Frampton. And he's one of the, he's, he's been fighting real hungry as of late. So this should be a hell of a fight. I can't wait to see it. And it's been such a long time since that first fight. You know, they may have forgot reason why they hate each other, <laughs> but it's, it should be, it should be, a um, it should be a fight with no crickets, definitely no crickets, but, um, you know, back to Terrence Crawford and, and Jeff Horn real fast. I'm just going to say something real fast on that fight. Don't be surprised if Terrence Crawford does not try. I mean, does, if, don't be surprised if Terrence Crawford tries to knock out Jeff Horn in the first, say, say, say it's from round two to round four, pressure will be hot. I ain't going to say round one, but from round two to round four, pressure is going to be hot. I just wanted to get that. I didn't say that before, before I moved on to Abner Mars and Leo Santa Cruz. But in rounds from round two to four, Terrence Crawford is going to throw fastballs at Jeff Horn. That's just my prediction. I just see that happening, and I and 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 I, you know, I could be wrong, but I think that's going to be very, very, very important and key to let Jeff Horn know. Respect me. I know I'm coming from 140, but respect me, and I'm a favorite. So that's something that I believe will happen. Um, boxing is such a beautiful sport; it's so spread out. You know, you can just talk about anything. And, you know, have favorite fighters and wait many different divisions. You know, it's not no Dana White sitting there saying this and that. Sometimes it's, it's helpful to have a person like that. But, you know, the way boxing is, is beautiful. And boxing is making a comeback. It's on primetime TV. It's on ESPN. It's been on CBS. And it has been top fighters with championship belts. Not no guys from Friday Night Fights but 3-0 records. And, you know, they're going back home to work in a construction site somewhere. You're actually watching real good fights. So I hope... People haven't been enjoying, have been enjoying boxing because 
it's just seeing better days. You know, it's just seeing great days. It kind of makes you think that they joined the Illuminati. You know, did boxing sell it? So now I'm just playing. But, you know, boxing is just making a comeback. And, you know, thanks to Floyd Mayweather, you know, you can give him thanks. A lot of people like to blame him on how fights are not made. People looking for the money fights. Yeah, you got to look for money if you're being professional. But you kind of got to thank him for making boxing widespread because his antics are not bronerish. But he wants to get out there, promote fights. And he does it in a special way where people want to see him lose or win. That's the way you promote. Make people want to come see you lose or make people want to come see you win. If you just be a Hulk Hogan, a guy, a fan favorite and all that stuff like that, you're not going to get that a whole lot. If everybody likes you and then they think you're going to win, some people ain't going to watch you. They're going to be like, oh, he's going to win. But we'll see people like, I want to see that guy lose. Like, oh, oh my God, I want to see him get knocked out. You're going to sell more tickets. And Floyd didn't mind that. A lot of fighters are gaining that knowledge and trying to use it in the best way. Some are doing it in a dumb way. You know, you just got to be able to, yeah, you got to be able to pick it out. But, um, you know, you know, boxing is to me, the sweet science, the, the, the competition of two men getting in the ring and just seeing who's the better man. And, you know, the the sport has been great back in the day. It's been great, you know, coming up. But it has hit a wall. And that wall was when the heavyweight division fell apart. And it's been so sad because the heavyweight division is everything in boxing almost. Whenever you had uh, Joe Lewis and coming up, you had... You know, even before Mike Tyson, you had guys like Muhammad. You know, you had you had Muhammad Ali, you had Joe Frazier, you had Larry Holmes, you had George Foreman, you had Ken Norton. Then you go from there. Then you say, okay, we got Tyson, we got Holyfield, you got Ray Gabo, you got Michael Moore. Then you got an older George Foreman. Like the stories just comes around, 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 and then you know from there, you here comes Lennox Lewis. But Lennox Lewis was one of our greatest last, I would say, great heavyweights that, to me, had competition. So hear me out. I'm not calling Vladimir Vladimir Klitschko not great at all. Zero. Him or or his brother. What I'm saying is the competition died when they they were on their reign, especially Vladimir. I mean, with, with... all the heavyweights I named had some sort of competition. At least two to three guys. Vladimir Klitschko had Lennox. Didn't get the chance to fight him. Vitaly did. He lost. So he had Sam Peter. Povetkin. Eddie Chambers. Calvin Brock. Who? You know... <laughs> Who? He had those guys to fight. Now, I'm not blaming him. It's not his fault. Something went wrong in the heavyweight division. It was like, who are these guys that he's fighting? It's just, just who are they? It was just bad matchups. You know, it was crazy that 
like in the San Peter fight, he actually got knocked down more than once in that fight. But San Peter got knocked down like six times. He wasn't going to beat Vladimir Klitschko. So I mean, you know, it, it's it's it would be nice. It would be very nice if the heavyweight division would have two guys come together with all this talk and all this waiting. This guy being younger, this guy being older. The fight that needs to happen between now and the summer of 2019 because I'm tired of waiting. We don't need to wait to 2020. We need to see Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. Period. That's who we need to see. Because that fight will be the best fight since to me. Now, since to me, it would be the best fight promoted. Now, if you a lot of people had the fights and it's not promoted all that great, not all that hype, it can end up being great fights and people remember them being great fights. But as far as saying promotion-wise, Triple G Canelo, you know, Floyd Pacquiao, Floyd Canelo, this fight is that. This fight is a Vander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis. This fight is a Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. This fight is Sonny Liston, Ali. This is the fight. And it's going to be nice. And if, and I'm telling you, if this fight does not happen, man, Bro. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to just pay attention to, to the lower weights. From what I've heard last, Anthony Joshua was quoted saying, I ain't got nothing to lose, and I'm going to rain down hell on him, saying Deontay Wilder, I'm going to F him up bad. That's what he said. That's quote Wilder to Joshua. So you can go to hell and back and enjoy it, but can't come and get this money in that bag to store it. And you just said you done went to hell and back. And you enjoyed it. What what Deontay Wilder also said, what the devil must not have been there or you must be a liar because you ain't going to hell because I'm the person that you're going to be meeting when you go to hell. And he means that because the right hand is Satan. (laughs) Anthony Joshua, to me, is a strong puncher. Deontay Wilder is a devastating puncher. There's a difference. Joshua's a very strong guy. He's a, he's a big guy. He came in against the Conway in 254 pounds. After that, he came in went 230-something. You know, question marks there. Why did he lose the weight? Who knows? But he's still a strong guy. To me, his punches are t- crowded, kind of tight. He throws with technique, but it just doesn't look right. Maybe if he just looked like somebody just going out there to just really hurt somebody, maybe he'll look more devastating. And this is where I'm saying the difference. He's trying to be so worried about form and things of that nature. His body style is not allowing it to look crisp or to be effective. Because I'm going to be honest with you, looking at the Joseph Parker fight, that was horrendous. 
more so by the referee, but just horrendous. And then you go watch Ortiz and Wilder, you just come away, wow, because Wilder was had adversity all through the fight, scorecards, knockdowns almost. But he somehow still was able to do what Wilder does, Wilder-esque. He didn't have to do nothing different. He didn't have to, you know, win the fight on the scorecards, even though that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing in boxing. That's what boxing is all about. But in the heavyweight division, man, you got strong, strong, big guys that punch hard. So sometimes knockouts is what you want and what you want to do if you're the fighter. And Deontay Wilder knew I have to knock out Vic, uh, Ortiz. Not Victor, excuse me, Luis Ortiz. And he did that. And and Ortiz was fighting just as good as Larry Holmes that night. Very good boxer. Nice jab and everything. But when he hit him with that right hand, I think the only thing that went off in Ortiz's brain was... Just seriously. Had to. Had to. So... I'm hoping that this fight happens. Hearn was on the interview with Center saying that Joshua's main objective is Wilder. He wants Wilder next. I'm liking to hear that. Wilder got the money in the bag, 50 million, just like Joshua asked for. So why can't we not have an official date? I think that's getting worked out. Let's be patient. We're going to get it. But one last thing I want to talk about is the light heavyweight division real quick, real quick for our in boxing Wednesday. And is that. You know, with these boxers, you know, that comes with a difference in space. You know, space, man, with these, it's like the MCU. It's like the Marvel Universe. You got all these characters and, you know, popularity and things of that nature. With the lightweight division, light heavyweight division, excuse me, it's so kind of, it's tough to find the popularity, but it's such great talent. I mean, you got Dimitri Bavol, you have... Um, you have, you have, uh, Adonis Stevenson. You, now you got Bottle Jack. Um, now you have, um, you have Andre Ward working out and stuff like that. So is he really retired? Do we want to throw him in there? You got Kovalev still. Um, you have names still in that division, but. There's one person that fights a little higher than that that may want to come down or may want to pluck somebody to come up. And his name is Tony Bellew. Tony Bellew got a victory over David Hay. David Hay in a rematch, which he won the first fight. Tony Bellew did. David Hay, more popular than Tony Bellew, got the rematch, got the promotion. Everybody was really on David Hay's side. And it didn't go his way. Now Tony Bellew is feeling like, man, I, my legacy fight. And this is what his promoter said. But I know he feels his way, and I know he's probably said it because his promoter said it. But his legacy fight is Andre Ward. And Andre Ward, to me, has three fights. Not, he, he can fight three more times, but to me, if he wanted to fight one more time, there's three fights. It's Demetri Bivol, Tony Bellew, and then the third fight with Sergey Kovalev. Adonis Stevenson don't want no parts of Andre Ward. I'm not even going to say his name, even though he should fight him, but he don't want no parts. He's already kind of said that. Don't want to lose to a boxer that's going to box you to death, and the next thing you know, you fade. You want to fight people that you want to knock out or have rough and rugged type fights with where it can end in a draw like with Bottle Jack or Gene Pascal. (laughs) 
Andre Ward should come out of retirement. Plain and simple. There's no reason why he would want to stay retired and he's got money staring him in the face unless he's just truly tired of boxing. But I wouldn't be, I, w- I would be ecstatic if I heard that he came out of retirement and went to fight those three guys. But Tony Bellew, I just don't really see him fighting him because I just don't, I don't think he would get the right money. I think he would maximize his money with Kovalev again, even though those fights didn't do well, they fought two times. So people that are familiar and they sitting there having the bad blood and stuff, they may gross more money. Tony Bellew can sell a fight though. Him and Billy Joe Saunders, the way they talk shit and stuff like that. But um, the way they fight and talk is so entertaining to where it makes you just want to, like even Deontay Wilder was in, they were, he was in the UK watching Anthony Joshua fight Vladimir Klitschko and Tony Bellew crossed his path. And Tony Bellew was talking to him like he was the same height, same size, it didn't matter, whatever. I mean, Deontay Wilder said, we can fight, we can set it up. I mean, he didn't even think about, you know, Anthony Joshua at the time. I mean, like he was like, hold on, who is this guy? So Tony Bellew can sell a fight. He can promote. He loves to talk. And, but he's just not one of Hearn's bigger guys, uh, bigger name guys for popularity. Um, people mention Dylan White more than, uh, Tony White, Tony Bellew. But him and Andre Ward would be good. I mean, they, they match up size wise. You know, Andre Ward can move up. Tony Bellew can move down and they still keep kind of match up the same. They're no, not one person is really that much bigger than the other. I think Tony Bellew might have the reach advantage and he might have uh, advantage on punching power because he can punch. You know, he can, he can, he's a guy that moved up from cruiserweight on up to heavyweight and fighting guys and, and saying that he can punch harder than Tyson Fury. He said he can punch harder than Tyson Fury. He said he can knock out Tyson Fury. That's what he said. I don't think he can reach him, but he said he can knock him out. But, you know, it's been boxing, man. It's it's good stuff. You know, I'm hoping that Triple G and uh, Canelo come together so we can see that rematch, so we can go and get done with that. If not, then I would like Triple G to not fight another nobody, a top 10 below nobody because if you're not fighting Charlo, if you're not fighting Billy Joe Saunders, if you're not fighting Deon- Demetrius Andre at least, then you're not committed to what you've been doing. And you've been in the middleweight division for 10 years and you haven't unified. So, you know, you seem like a guy to me that just wanted to get a bunch of knockouts in a row, fight Canelo and have a rock'em, psych'em type match. That didn't happen. You pouted about it. And then Canelo pops dirty. And now here we are. You need to fight somebody that's in the top three in your next fight. You do that, your career can at least save face. You fighting Matrosian, and he ain't fighting two years, and he's never fought at 160, you get zero respect from me. Nice knockout. It's on my page. Go check it out on Instagram with the whole, you know, I, I couldn't help it, but I had to sit there and, um, Post that with the uh, wasted graphic, but man, those two left hooks and then Jesus Christ! I mean, when Triple G can reckless abandon, leave his guard down, go at you and kill you, those are the types of guys 
that he loves to do that to. Vaj Matrosian, David Lemieux, you know, those guys. But when you bring on somebody like Canelo or you ask him if you want to fight Billy Joe, you want to fight Charlo, you get a different answer. And then he's not going to fight like that because we watched Canelo fight and he didn't do that. It was one round where Canelo wanted to get a little jazzy and trade punches and, and Triple G obliged him and had that little moment. But Canelo aborted smartly. So that's what you get there. Now. Have you ever had a dream that 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 one big fight could happen? That's the fight that I want to see happen. Two of them. That's what I want to see. Two fights I want to see happen. Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, 2018 or early 2019. And I want to see Canelo fight somebody in the top three. It could be Canelo. It can be Charlo. It can be Billy Joe. It can be Andre. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. That's my Boxing Wednesday. Next up, I'm going to talk a little entertainment. And we're going to wrap the show up. We're going to might leave a little song. I'm feeling a little bit currency today. All my currency fans out there, what up? And I'm feeling hustle right now because I'm hustling. This is my hustle. You know, this is my dream to do this show. And I'm going to try to do it every day until I make it. I just need y'all support, need y'all's help, need y'all sharing, need y'all hit the like button, applause button. Hear me out, man. Learn something. If you don't like the sport and you want to learn about it, hear me out. I can explain it to you the best way I can. Ask me questions. But tonight, cannot wait till game four, I mean game five of Boston versus Cleveland Cavaliers at Boston. This should be a good game. Like I said, young team always get fired up at home. I'm calling it. Boston's going to win. They're going to go back to Cleveland. Cleveland's going to win game seven. I hope Boston pulls that one out. So my prediction can save face, but, hey, it's going to be a good game. If LeBron James wins, I'm not going to be upset because, hey, he gets to go to another finals. Get to try it again. If he loses, he shouldn't hang his head. Good season, 82 games, didn't sit out any, gave it his all, dunked on a lot of people, has a lot of good highlights. So if you don't win a championship, been eight of them, but you only won three. Not better than Michael Jordan, not in my eyes. And that's another thing I wanted to say. Stop with that comparison unless you want to talk about Magic Johnson or Kobe Bryant and put them in that comparison saying LeBron, Magic, Jordan, Kobe. It just sounds better to me. But we're going to keep it moving. All right, good people. I hope you enjoyed my show. I hope that tonight goes your way as far as life sports whatever but enjoy your day and this is going to be the end of the show until the next episode we're going to listen to some currency i also wanted to say um to kobe bryant for making his comments about kanye west i'm glad that he made smart comments and he was telling the truth when he was saying, everybody was saying that, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. And he didn't bash him or nothing like that whenever he was asked at a We Rise LA event. 
But he was just asked, you know, what did you think of Kanye West's, you know, comments? And he answered correctly and it didn't say nothing where it could make controversy on him or nothing like that. And I don't think Kanye's going to try to come after Kobe Bryant like he has on everybody else, especially with the guy with the fake Kanye voice. LOL. But, you know, like he said, he's just somebody that, you know, there's a freedom of speech and he's he, he knows that the backlash he's going to get with what he's going to say and he's going to say what he wants and you know, the things with Trump's and, and, and supporting Trump and things like that, he just feel like Kanye is trying to just evolve and trying to evolve. And I've said this last night, I'm just thinking that Kanye might be trying to run for president. He's mentioned it, and now we're getting these actions and him trying to say things and stuff like that. It's all culminating up to where it's his, his version of trying to, you know, lead up to making his uh, candidacy known until you know 2020 gets here and he's going to be putting his name in the hat i just think that i read between the lines of what kobe brown was saying on his quotes and i think he believes the same thing he's just trying to grow and trying to challenge himself and him gratiating himself with trump it's kind of like the icing on the cake to him trying to run for president and i just believe that so that's like like i said that's my show and i'm gonna let it ride out with uh, with a little bit of currency so people out there with your spotify you know, saying that's listen to some currency and that's gonna be currency hustler. It's one of my favorite songs that he has put out and it's part of what I am trying to do and I'm hustling and sports talk is what I've been doing. I've started from, you know, debate groups on Facebook to to doing something on my own to where I've been trying to do stuff with other people. And I tell you, whenever you have people sit there and just want to do stuff with you, they flake out or they sit there and don't really try to put forth the effort because they think it's going to go nowhere. Let them sit there and then you keep going and then see what happens. And that's what I'm doing. I'm going to do me. This is Saw Straight Talk. Hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time.